on the shoulders of dwarves, a weekly podcast about role-playing games. Hello and welcome to On the Shoulders of Dwarves, a weekly podcast about role-playing games and the gamers who game them. My name is Eran Aviram. My name is Eru Lipschitz. What's yours? Eran Aviram, I just told you. And today we'll discuss something that has been afflicting me for the past few weeks. I am sick, so we'll be talking about diseases. <laughs> Now, diseases, I think, are amazing for two main reasons. First, they are very unusual type of, I'm doing air quotes, damage. Uh, especially in games like D&D and Pathfinder, where damage is hit points. And then anything that is not just, I'm afraid that this number will get to zero, is unusual. I mean, losing your hand is super unusual, but even simply catching the cold is very unusual in these sorts of games. But it's also unusual in narrative games like, I don't know, Dungeon World, for example. I mean, it doesn't have to be, but we simply seem to forget about diseases even simply as a thing that exists in the world. And the second reason I really like it is because it's interesting on the long term. Maybe even the short term. It's just interesting because it forces a new perspective on the character because now the character has to overcome a difficulty or somehow face the world when there's this new thing that stands between her and the world. Like, for example, again, I don't need to go to losing my left hand, but being unable to talk straight for more than like 20 seconds, which is basically my current state, I'm cutting off all of my coughing, so you guys at home don't hear me cough, but I cough like crazy. Even that is something that might turn a usually verbose sort of, you know, the face archetype, into suddenly this meek sort of person that is unsure what is his role in the world now that he can't even speak straight. What is he good for? Who am I? Well, it's very troubling when your body fails you in, in many, many different ways. Yeah. But before we're going to delve much deeper into the diseases and afflictions and how they can be used in your game, I want to tell you a little bit about the process that got us to record an episode about diseases. And that was when Eran said, listen, Uri, I am sick, and I can barely record an episode, and I have no idea what we're going to record about, and I literally can't think straight. So what should we do? And what happened, quite simply, is that we simply took that as a suggestion instead of as a hindrance. We said, okay, you are afflicted with the disease. How is that related to role-playing games? How can we take what we have in the real world and use that as an inspiration to promote what we're doing right now? So we said, okay, diseases. We have diseases in role-playing games. Maybe not enough. Maybe they can be used for more inside the game world. So let's explore that. First of all, I would like to talk about afflictions in the wider sense, which basically means anything that you don't want to have, but you do have it. It's a very wide definition, so we will stick to diseases, mm -hmm. but most of what we are saying can be 
expanded upon. And I think that we should probably talk about three categories, which are the same categories that Fate uses and the same categories that Mistborn Adventure Game uses, because afflictions are measured by how long they are going to affect you. I think much more than how severe they are. Like, for example, not being able to use your left arm is the consequence of losing it, but it's also the consequence of straining it. You get the same effect, but it will either be gone by tomorrow morning or in two months' time. So I think we should talk about afflictions that remain until the end of the scene, those that remain until the end of the adventure, and those that remain until you take care of them, which isn't always possible. If you you lose your left arm, you might be able to install a cybernetic one, but maybe this is not the sort of thing that happened in your world, and you just no longer have your left arm. Which is a shame. <laughs> now, I really like, as I've been talking about this for ages, long-term injuries. And I think this is the episode of long-term injuries, so I'm, I'm totally into that. Uri, what can we do with diseases? Well, let's explore what are the functions of diseases and affliction in role-playing games. And we'll begin with what you've mentioned previously. Use an affliction as simply another resource drainer for mm. the characters. Now you have to spend uh, another X amount of resources to solve this new problem. This approach simply takes character's health and use it as another hit point scale. Now, this for me is, you know, it, it's a very non-interesting usage of diseases. Sure, when you're fighting a mummy, for example, in, in the old D&D style games, you know that mummies have a chance of imparting you with uh, mummy rot, which is a magical disease slash curse which they carry around. So it becomes a, an even scarier monster because it can do more kinds of damage to you. But this is a very limited use, in my opinion, of disease and afflictions. Well, I want to give a counterexample, or at least sort of counterexample-ish, because it talks about hunger and not specifically diseases, but it's very mm -hmm. similar, I think. I've been playing the Tomb of Annihilation. It's a campaign for D&D, and one of the main things there is that you go explore a jungle, and if there's no one in your party that is able to, you know, get some food. Forage and, for food, yeah. Yeah, and, or, or hunt for food and drinkable water because, you know, getting water is easy in a jungle, but making sure that you can drink it without suffering disease is, requires some effort. Like you need to buy some stuff back, back at Port Nianzaro before you head into the jungles. So I, as a ranger, am able to do so, but it will take some time and then we will be walking slower or there's a higher chance that we encounter some undead on the way or stuff like that. So instead, I cast good berries every day. And as a ranger, I don't have a lot of spell slots. So casting good berries is a big expenditure of resources on my part. And I do so automatically. I even just decided that I have one less spell slot because every day I am casting Goodberry as we get ready to head out into the jungle. And I feel that. And that's my point. It's not just 
a cost in resources. It's not just that I've lost a spell slot. Because I've lost a spell slot and I am always looking at it because I cast spells, so I look at my spells and I see, oh, I'm missing a slot. Because it is always there, it's a reminder that we are going through something that is harsh and difficult. I have spent a useful, powerful, important resource, and therefore this is hard. That's, that's how it translates in, in my mind. And it can be some other thing. Like, for example, maybe the thief is a leper. I, I don't know. Maybe he's, he's suffering from leprosy. Maybe. And you need to cast something on him every day. Or maybe you need to buy them some sort of ointment that they need to rub on their skin. And that costs a lot of money. So there might be something that is an ongoing resource expenditure. Maybe, again, maybe for a short time. It doesn't have to be for the entire uh, life of the of your, the adventure. Maybe someday you'll be able to cure the leprosy. And that makes at least me feel as if something is happening here. This, this cost is important. Which is awesome. Still doesn't change the fact that this is a resource drainer. You're yes. saying it's a very good point. It's a, it's a way to show mechanically the difficulty which you're encountering and you're right still i find that a bit of a bore not because it's problematic in any way but because you can do so much more agreed. with disease yes, and affliction agreed. it's the least interesting form of usage for diseases yes it's like i always say about um crowdfunding if you do a crowdfunding and all you get at the end of it is just the money you wanted to recruit, you're doing it wrong. Th- that is a process which can give you so much more than just recruiting money. In the same way, a disease, if used in a campaign and all you got was a resource drainer, I think you have mishandled that tool. This is a tool that can give you, as a GM or as a player, so much more. And number one, for me at least, when I use a disease, I think of disease as a timer. Mm. Disease, for a disease, usually there is a cure. But the disease will break out in an X amount of time. And you need to get the cure by then or die or get something else. And remember that diseases, unlike many other problems, escalate and they escalate slowly or fast depending on the illness and that is an awesome awesome tool i i'm i lost track of how often i've used the idea of okay you are injected with a deadly poison and you need to get the antidote in x amount of time that is one of the sure ways of getting the players to be active they're under pressure they have a time limit and the time limit has something at stake, usually the lives of their characters or a loved one. Mm. And diseases are fun to play with because they're not just a timer that, you know, in four hours this will break out and you will die. That is one way of playing it. But you can also say, okay, in one hour you get a minus two so-and-so checks. In two hours you begin to sweat profusely. In three hours you lose your sense of smell and hearing. In four hours, death. And then the, the pressure is doubly so. And you have a constant, shall we say, increasing resource drainer that keeps you on your toes. I really like stages 
because it's in a way it's using all levels of affliction that we've discussed before. Indeed. Now, diseases are classically known to be used as adventure hooks. For example, oh my God, you have caught an illness and now you need to find a blue flower of fluorinium to get well because someone will crush that flower and get the mixture and mix it and then put it on your eyelids and then you're going to be fine again. Or in the more classical plot hook, oh my God, the town of Plantsville is plagued by the illness of Suddenus Diemos No Plotos. And now suddenly the party need to save the day by going somewhere to get, again, that same blue flowers of florinium because that's the only flower that cures that specific illness. And once they get it, they come back and the town is saved. Hurrah, etc. And that because, again, disease is a great timer and explicitly explains what's at stake, the lives of people. In this case, you can also use an incubation period because diseases usually don't just come down on you out of nowhere. There's, there's an incubation period from the moment you got afflicted with it to the moment where it actually starts inflicting some sort of symptoms in you, on you, around you, etc. So you can, for example, say, yeah, you need to go ahead and adventure before any of the symptoms start showing, because uh, then you're going to lose your left hand. I really, I'm really into losing hands, but you don't, you don't actually have to lose it. Like maybe it's disappearing because you've afflicted with, um, I don't know, astral mucus, and it's slowly moving into the astral plane. Or maybe you're inflicted by, uh, I don't know, medusa mushroom, which turn you slowly into stone, starting with your left hand and climbing up your arm. <laughs> Uh, Etc. It can be all sorts of, of cool things. The disease, of course, doesn't have to be real-world disease. Oh, and, and we'll talk about that later as well. Now, I've mentioned before that a classic plot hook is the town suffering from this plague and need to be rescued. However, I am very ashamed to say that I have used diseases and plague in the past as a railroading tool. Now, we've talked about railroading in an episode or two ago and how to do it in a subtle way. But sometimes the not-so-subtle way is simply saying, okay, I'm sorry, you can't go to Unchartedville. For some reason, the city is riddled with a plague. And that is totally a part of the campaign which I planned beforehand and not simply did not have time to finish writing that city. That is totally not the case. It simply have a plague. This will probably tie in to the adventure later on or not definitely maybe yeah Uh, again could be used in a smaller scale if you want to encourage the character to not get into combat with someone ah you see this uh, traveler on the road he's obviously very ill he's coughing he's uh, he has the the yellow stripes of a leper who's currently on a pilgrimage to the holy city of who gives a, etc. <laughs> and he's really, really trying to get well. And he has very important information for you because he came from up the road and no one touched him because he's a leper. 
all, everything that you say is of course true but also you can simply use the disease the, the diseased city as a backdrop for everything that's happening and it's one of the things that can make a city interesting like maybe this is a port town and they are basically almost always plagued I mean maybe maybe the specific plague changes but it's known that every <laughs> summer the streets are filled with sick people and maybe there are a lot of bodies piling up in the sewers etc and maybe because it's a city of halflings it doesn't really affect the humans and elves in your party which your party is comprised of so they can go into the city and they can adventure against this backdrop and have fun things happening in a city that is diseased right now and it's an again unusual sort of thing because we don't tend to use diseases almost anywhere it's interesting because you know as a father of a two-year-old basically people tell you that you know your your child was born and he's gonna be sick every winter in the first three years that's just something that happened accept this and move on now we've mentioned diseases as something that happened to the character but let's take that a step further. If we already agreed that diseases are not common, they're not like losing hit points, for example. There's something that happened rarely, and as something like that, it should have a more profound effect on the characters. I would argue that a serious illness is something that should change the character's character. Your experience as an ill person should cause you to change your personality somewhat or get you to experience new experiences. For example, if you're this big, strong fighter who always lead the charge in the party, and then you get this mummy rot illness which rot all your muscles and you can barely move and you have like strength minus five now, and throughout like four sessions, the wizard takes care of you, even though he's like usually the weakest member of the party. And suddenly he's supporting you because he can now, because you need his help. And that that's an experience. That's something that should change you, should change the relationship between your character and the character of the wizard. This is something that should make your character see life in a different light. If you have an illness which potentially could kill you in, in one or two days, and you're hoping you're going to get the cure, sure you do, everyone hopes, no one wants to die, but you're suddenly thinking, this is not like a life and death battle with the fire belching hydra. No, this is a slow, consistent, nagging reminder that you could die real soon without any way of influencing that. And that's that's an experience. That's something that changed you. And we'll give a link to a fabulous article by Uri, How Uri Plays Consistent Characters, Ooh. which explains, well, how to play consistent characters by way of keeping a list of short events 
descriptions of events that happened in the character's life. And this is exactly one of those. This is the sort of thing that you say, ah, this is going to change my character. This is going to affect me in some way. I should write it down as an event. And from now on, it's part of my worldview. And yeah, I like it. Yep, that is true. However, this is not a list. List is for suckers. This is a table because table is for professionals. <laughs> of course. Diseases in Pathfinder have certain templates. And one of my all-time favorite templates for diseases in Pathfinder is incurable diseases. And I like that because we take for granted the fact that in Pathfinder you play in a high fantasy, high magic game. There, there's, you know, there's a spell. Remove disease. Yes. Bam. Yeah. Done. Yeah. And yet some illnesses are uncurable. Remove disease will not help you because it is uncurable. As simple as that. And I think these are very interesting to play with. Both as a character, if you think, okay, I got this illness and maybe this is incurable. Maybe this is something my character has to live with right now. Let's let's explore that. I mean, maybe now you have a low constitution modifier and a persistent cough which you just can't shake. Maybe now you have lycanthropy and you're a werewolf or a were-rat or a were-badger or a reverse werewolf. It doesn't matter. Suddenly your character is changed. Maybe you were attacked by a fungus monster and you caught that fungus and now you are a half-fungus humanoid because this is a part of you now. This is who you are. And how... Awesome is that? Well, that really depends on the player <laughs> because there will be players that say, well, I came to Pathfinder specifically to play Pathfinder because I want to play my character. I planned what sort of archetypes I'm going to take up to 20th level and exactly what sort of magic items I'm going to buy. And I have a plan for my character and I know what I want to do. And it is only fair that I'll get to do that. And there will be players like Uri who say, bring whatever it is you want to bring down upon me, GM. I am up for it. And I will see it as a challenge and a new way to play my character. I'm just going to stop and correct you on a minor point there. Because I don't think that as a player, I should face the GM and say, bring it on. That's a given for me. I think a step forward. I think, for example, a few sessions ago, we had a battle with, uh, again, fungus, who living fungus who wrapped themselves around skeletons of dead creature. And so they seem like undead, but they're actually fungus humanoids. And throughout the whole session i was thinking oh my god that is awesome i would totally after the battle is done would take some of that fungus and see if i can play around with that if i could you know even if it means afflicting my character with something like that that would be awesome that's a mind-blowing possibility of turning my character in by mistake of course by the mistake of the character, not a mistake of the player, making my character a half-fungus humanoid. Um, that 
is awesome. That, and that is something you as a player can strive for, can suggest, can get inside. I'm, I'm very much in the school of, of the fate RPG state of mind, which say, I as a player would like my character to have a complicated life yes. in order to make the game more interesting. Yes, because that's, that's drama. That's what drama comes yeah. from. Yeah. However, I will take a step back and say this is not everyone's approach to each his own. We'll give a link to the episode we did about player motivations, which is a required uh, hearing <laughs> in this case. Indeed. And I urge you, I urge pretty much every player who's, who have experience and know what they enjoy to strive and to seek out in an active way challenges for their characters now i think that it's interesting here to note that both becoming a lycanthrope or becoming a half fungus while can be called diseases or afflictions actually give you some awesome powers as well so you are not only losing stuff you also gain stuff and i think that's an important thing for gms to think about and for players that suggest these things for, for the GMs, because you want to still have an effective character that still have a place in the story, who is still in some way useful and can contribute. Even in City of Mist, for example, which is a game where any tag, any sort of tag that you have for a character can be used in any sort of move. So theoretically, anything is useful, but actually... Not having left a left hand is not a useful tag. It might be, but very rarely. It might be. It's very uh, circumstantial. Exactly. Bonus. Exactly. Yeah. So instead... Um, oh my God, the draining pipe is too small. We can't fill in. I can. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's, that's where I can use this tag. But that being said, you should always have, I think some way of influencing the game, of having power over the narrative, even if your character is technically ill or afflicted by something and maybe doesn't like the current situation and would like to change it, as a player, you should still have the same amount of power, narrative power, as other players. Now, the two things that work best in my humble opinion, is number one, as we mentioned, to have a balance. If you're taking something away from the characters or from the players, give them something in return. This doesn't need to be an extra power, illness kind of thing. Like we've mentioned before, if you're taking away the character's ability to fight with a disease, that player might be very, very frustrated because he cannot take an active and useful part in the game. Now, give that player another way of, you know, using his character, another something. Have a balance. For example, like we mentioned with the Lycanthropy, you get cool powers, but you lose control of some of your humanity. Vampires the Masquerade has done it amazingly well. You get awesome vampire powers but they come with the price of losing of possibly losing your humanity so always have a balance of things taken and things given even if you're thinking okay there's a deadly disease on that character but 
we get in return the drama and the action and the running forward. And number two, always consider the future. I believe that a slow escalation of any situation is better than just jumping forward. Yeah, probably. Um, it gives a, a looming sense of dread. And if you don't have ideas, that's fine. I mentioned previously the Pathfinder SRD. They have a bunch of templates and a whole list of diseases that you can choose from. And they have a lot of really fun tweaks that you can use. But let's face it, it doesn't matter how many magical illness or affliction we might dream up. We will never catch up with reality. Yes. Reality is <laughs> fucking scary. Yes, it's and horrible. reality has a challenge rating way above anything your characters can handle. So simply go to Wikipedia, look for list of diseases, and bam. Get horrified. Get horrified. Or if you know a really good doctor who specializes in, you know, plague and diseases, talk with them for a while. You will never leave your house again. (laughs) (laughs) Now, we've talked a lot about diseases, but we didn't actually discuss one thing that is really important, the cause of diseases in your world in the specific sort of fiction that you're using and in most modern and science fiction worlds the germ theory of disease is simply true you become diseased because some sort of germ is inside of you doing their thing but in many fantasy worlds it can be different and i would argue maybe should be different in some of them for example, both in Ars Magica and Warhammer Fantasy, both of them are based on a mythical sort of Europe, the same sort of mindset they used to have actually in the Middle Ages in Europe. And in those worlds, when you have a fever, for example, it might be because there's a demon inside of you. And when you vomit, it's because the demon inside of you is rebalancing your humors. And it can be that you become diseased because you were cursed by the village witch, etc. Just to clarify, we're not talking about how people perceive it, but that in your game world, this is literally actually the reason. Yes. It's like, for example, how in our world, lightning bolts are a discharge of electricity because there are ions in the storms and in the earth and there's grounding, etc. But in a mythical sort of world, the storm might be the gods of thunder's rage. Literally, this is his rage. He is super angry and it manifests in reality as a storm. And lightnings are just a discharge of his anger, not metaphorically but super literally bringing down his anger down onto the earth in strikes of fury the same can be said for diseases different type of demons might be treated in different ways like for example maybe the demon that causes cough and blisters can be repelled by eating a lot of garlic because the demon hates the smell of garlic this specific no, demon. No, 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 no. 
etc etc finally we've talked a lot about diseases but we promised we'll talk a bit about non-physical afflictions and I just want to again to send you guys out into the world and look for other options because while having a cough is super annoying I can tell you right now <laughs> owing a debt to someone is super annoying as well having nightmares is really annoying becoming temporarily paranoid because you are very stressful and it manifests as a as, as literally a sort of paranoid delusions, even if for just an afternoon, it's super annoying. And all of these things are totally afflictions. And again, can be short-term, medium-term, long-term, etc. They can be used as a backdrop. They can be used as an important turning point in your character evolution. Everything that we've talked about. There are some really good games that have example for this. Uh, again, Mistborn Adventure game. Uh, we've talked about non-combat conflicts on the previous episode, and then we've mentioned a lot of these, so I'll send you there. But also even stuff like fantasy flight games, board games, especially those in the world of Eldritch Hall and, mm-hmm. and, and Arkham Hall, um, etc., etc., all of these always have unusual and interesting afflictions that are super annoying, but most of them are not you lose your left hand. Most of them are, you're very stressful, you are over debt to someone, you promised someone to something and it haunts you. These sort of things that are really cool and might have mechanical application in your game already, especially if you play Fate, or not if you play things like D&D and Pathfinder that tend to completely ignore, most of the time, the realm of the mental. But if there is some optional rule that allow you to use these sort of things and having a debt as a sort of, I don't know, a modifier on something, consider using it. I think it's pretty cool. It is. Use it or lose it. Nice. Anything else to say as we summarize this topic? Well, I keep having, you know, nervous ticks because you keep saying character losing their left hand and i had a a player who decided that his character is gonna lose their left hand and you know that's just fucked up i used to have a character that's in warhammer fantasy which is a game filled with diseases there are a lot of rules for diseases there and i gave her a very low constitution score because i wanted her to become diseased because I imagined her as someone who she's like this 70-year-old crone that's not exactly sees the future, but sort of in a way, and she mumbles a lot, and she's half crazy. And I wanted her to be this disease sort of thing that follows the Disease-ridden yes, exactly. hag. And that, that was a, a cool thing to have that, for example, you wouldn't want to have in D&D most of the time. No. Because diseases only limit your options and never give you anything uh, and and that's a problem you want to maybe do something about that yep and we've mentioned balance once it's not fun yes to play your character it doesn't have any upsides then you wouldn't want yeah you, you will never want to become diseased so think about yep. it that's it it's time to take the load off 
This is the part of the show in which we talk about role-playing games in our own personal lives. Now, I haven't played anything because I'm sick. And next week, I will play Thornwatch, Aviv, or... Uh, your partner in crimes for up to four players, the it, wonderful, wonderful comic. Indeed, and we'll have amazing news, by the way, by next episode or the one after that, but we'll have to wait for that. Um, was one of the artists for Thornwatch, the new board game slash RPG game. It's hard to exactly say what sort of game it is from the guys at Penny Arcade and Lone Shark Games. And she just got her copy and she's going to run it for us. And that's what I'm going to play next week. Mm, that sounds awesome. I too have not played. My usual gaming group is in um, hiatus at the moment because two of the Bastards are abroad traveling because why not? <laughs> I, I know. And I have spent the last two weeks practicing for my lectures. Next week is the Icon Festival. Mm. Icon is Israel's largest fantasy and sci-fi festival. Uh, it's an amazing, amazing convention. I think even in an international scale. Yes, yes, it is. Where there's tons of lectures and games and open events and shows and whatnot. And I'm giving two lectures, one on the Fate Stay Night anime series. That's actually incorrect because I'm doing my lecture on the Fate franchise, which is so much bigger than just a dozen anime shows and movies. <laughs> so much. I mean, the number of the sheer number of mediums that that franchise have is mind-boggling. I don't like Fate Stay Night. I didn't. Which means you probably only know one or two or three different mediums in which <laughs> it exists. Probably, yeah. Uh, I, you know what? I'm just going to lay the, the law on you later on. It's, um, it's very hard to go into the Fate franchise and not find something which is exactly in the genre you do like. Interesting, okay. The, they have pretty much every genre in some form. Uh, whether you like an action mobile game, whether you like a feel-good magical girl series, whether you want a dark and grim, hardcore, really, really intense, physical, abusive show or whether you just want a light-hearted philosophical debate or if you want a really misunderstood movie or you want to play a, a video game which is text-based with very little selection at all or maybe you just want to play the same game over and over but from the perspective of different characters they have all that and more so it's kind of messed up <laughs> my second lecture is about how a reading of shakespeare's work as a fantasy writer which i'm not sure i'll be able to convince the audience that shakespeare can be taken as a as a fantasy writer rather than just as a classical play writer uh, wish me luck and besides i'm gonna perform with my improv troupe we're doing a basically a show about how that specific show will be seen in the in, infinite number of parallel universes we call it rick and shorty <laughs> which is basically like rick and morty doing a show for 
sci-fi and fantasy convention in many parallel universes. Nice. Which will be hopefully fun. But after next week, hopefully, back to role-playing. And you guys can next week, hopefully, listen to us again. Because on every Monday, more or less, we come up with a new episode about something. And if that something is something that you would like to tell us what it is, that something that it is, just send us an email. Wait, what? To show at dwarfcast.net. You can also tweet at us at Dwarf Podcast. And you can also join our Facebook group on Facebook on the shoulders of dwarves. Finally, if you really want to, you can also tell someone else about us. Uh, I mean, if you really, really want to, we kind of want to for you to do it because it's super helpful for us. That's actually how new people get to hear us when you guys tell someone else, hey, you've just talked about a thing. Huh, there was this episode about that thing on the shoulder of dwarves. I'll send you a link. And then you send the link, and then uh, then someone else heard about us, and and us heard us as well. Indeed. And that's about it. I think I think it's about time then that we'll end the show by having each of us say goodbye in their native language, which is Leitraut. On the shoulder of dwarves is shared under Creative Commons Attribution and Non-Commercial form. The intro and outro are taken from Silly Fun by Kevin McLeod. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3. Find us at dwarfcast.net and follow us on Twitter or Facebook.